Welcome everyone to the Vocal Revolution, where we talk about changing the world with the power of your voice, personally and collectively. And it's just so wonderful today to work on one of my vocal heroes, Randolph Matthews. Today, <laughs> you are <laughs> absolutely, and you are in for such an incredible treat, and so much rich wisdom on the subject of voice and how we really truly embody and facilitate our vocal expression because Randolph is an amazing composer he's a performance artist and vocal facilitator his musical career spans two decades and it's sauntered through jazz blues and contemporary dance he performs and creates work internationally and nationally with collaborations across interdisciplinary art forms He's collaborated and performed with artists such as Herbie Hancock, Grace Jones and his Grace Buckingham Palace for the Queen. Randolph studied music at Goldsmiths College in 2000, combining Alexander Technique and Vocal Mechanics. And he then went on to study voice movement therapy in Boston, USA, with voice specialist Paul Newham. And he has since run workshops across Europe and the USA, helping people connect with embodied sound, breath and song. Randolph's performed at Sadler's Wells with Boy Breaking Glass, inspired by the poem by Gwendolyn Brooks, and he's currently composing and producing music for the National Youth Dance Company, working with international choreographer Alessandra Sutin. And I met Randolph in 2012 when I found myself having the grace of being at one of his vocal workshops and I was completely bowled over by his innovative approach and I've sort of just been following him around ever since. <laughs> so welcome Randolph, thank you so much for agreeing to come today and share your wisdom with us. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, absolute pleasure. Thank you and I'd love for you to just share, I've touched obviously we've had your bio as it were but I'd love you to share with us some of your journey your immense journey how you came to this point because there's always so much behind the scenes that happens along the way your influences and the turning points in your journey mm -hmm. so I would say it started up when I was about 18 years old I had moved out and was living with my brother and uh kind of finding myself as a as a sort of trainee telecommunication engineer very you know just young and naive to the world in front of me um and during my sort of hangouts with my friends now that I wasn't living at home it's like oh my god I can just bring my friends around and we can chill for the you know for the duration of the time and we would hang and you know everybody had their their own way that they would hang mine was kind of singing you know it was like and I think my friends kind of started to sort of catch on to the fact that I would navigate towards kind of using my voice um and then during that period I, I sort of started to meet musicians I, I almost like felt like I was sort of attracting musicians from a different space through connective communities um and in my estate that I was in 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 North London there was a a guitarist who used to have these wonderful gatherings uh, where people would just come round and, you know, would, would chill, listen to music and he would play Earth, Wind and Fire songs. 
um, and and play his guitar next to it. But you know, he heard me sing one day, and he was like, "Randolph, there you got you got a great voice. I mean, what's what are you doing? What are you what are you doing with it?" And I was like, "Oh, well done. Oh, nothing, nothing. Just just enjoying it, yeah, you know." Because why don't you consider, you know, trying out a, a a vocal class or a choir or something like that? And so within within a short space of time, it was literally the next day I opened up the paper. You know, all these sort of serendipity moments started to sort of like appear. It's like that. All of a sudden, the paper was like the page said Hoxton Hall, you know, choir workshop, you know, and I was like, uh, okay. So I made a call and I was like, I don't probably won't answer. First call, yeah, oh yeah, we've got a place, we've got one more place, okay, it's tomorrow, okay. So then I went there the next day. And before I realized it, once I got there and meeting up with the people and really feeling like I was contributing to something. I think there is something about that there is a sense, one of our human needs is belonging, you know, like really being able to belong to something. And I got this real feeling that I was belonging to something in that moment, something beyond even myself, something beyond the, the, the plethora of being young. I just felt like I, it wasn't about young now. It was just about, vocalizing it was about people it was about connectivity it was about feelings and emotions and it was about stories as well and I I soon got to the point where I was just ready to do a solo and actually before I was about to sort of say I, I could do this on my own somebody came up and said the choir leader said you're going to do this solo you're going to do a song solo so I did this song solo and I really set myself a benchmark point by bringing everybody to see me do this photo. So mom, dad, my fa- you know my family, some friends from Scotland that I'd met in Tenerife, you know the, the neighbours. I was even going to bring the cat and the dog. You know everybody was going to come and see it. And I set myself such a high mark of expectation that I was I just felt absolutely sick on this gig. It was so difficult. And so the extremity of then going up onto the stage and literally just kind of shaking. But then as soon as I got on the stage, uh, as soon as my foot touched the stage, everything went away and I was just shining. I was just lifted by the stage, the presence and actually my own comfortability. And from that point on, I started to make some very, very significant decisions. So everything became more jarring. My work became more jarring. My relationships with the people at work became more jarring for me. It just was like, I just don't relate to this world. And then one day I went downstairs uh, to the the stores and got some cable ties for for a job I was going to go on. And the guy had been there for, I was, he was like, he was an older guy. And I was like, how long has he been there? And I asked him, I said, Sam, let's say his name, Sam. Sam, how long have you been here? And he was like, oh, I've been here about 20 years. And the moment he said that, I said, I'm leaving. I went upstairs and I left. And so from that point onwards, it was, it was really me on this journey of kind of now, I've made a very definable decision for myself, not what, something that my parents said, oh, you should go into telecommunications. I really felt that this was mine. 
And it was it was difficult because you now have to self-motivate yourself. You have to understand what motivation is. You have to understand your, your passions, your influences. You have to understand other people around you. And so 21, uh, you know, 21 was very significant because I felt like I really... I really sort of said, I'm, I'm going to be a musician, you know, but I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be a musician. 21 was when I actually left this job. And then I started to move forward and started to literally collaborate with different people. I started to do the local London scene. Um, and then I started to have these moments where I was paid to actually sing. And that became a very definable thing for me as well. It was like, oh my gosh, I actually got paid for doing something which I actually really like doing. And then there is how to maintain doing that thing that you really, really do like doing consistently. So that's sort of the backdrop of kind of then the journey of, of different projects and different influences. So I, I was able to open up for Herbie Hancock when he came over. I had the opportunity to, as I said, you know, be working, you know, perform for the, the Queen. Um, I had collaborations through other projects where I was opening up for Grace Jones, um, Malatu Astatki, who came over from Egypt. And I just started to see this kind of internationalness as well in, in terms of my decisions and the type of people that I met. Um, and I was curious about voice because I was struggling with my own voice. As I was going through, I, I felt like I was still, I was struggling to maintain my voice. And I think part of it was emotionally just insecurity, just kind of going in the opposite direction. And so trying to find a way to work, I had a friend who was, um, who was about to go on tour with a water tour with Rochford, and he, he needed somebody to debt his class. So I was like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I, and, but I didn't know because I'd never taught before. I'd never taught anybody outside of myself. So I ended up going to this school. It's called the London Music School. And, uh, and I remembered I was like, you know, trying to analyze everything. So like to be all technical, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they felt it. The students kind of were just like, oh my gosh, what's this guy doing? I know that's what was on their faces. Just like, where's he coming from with this? And I felt it and I recognized that I really do feel people. I really feel the connection or disconnection that, that people can have. And so I realized I need to just be myself. And I said to them, look, I'm learning just as much as you are. That I'm a musician just as much as you are. And I have a few tools that I'd like to share with you. And if I can share that with you, it's going to be a benefit. And I think that we, we've, you know, I've done my job in terms of actually presenting it. So once I did that, I became like the best teacher for, for that, that year group. And I became the best teacher for myself as well, because I gave myself the ability to get things wrong and to not know all the answers mm -hmm. and to then, empower my my self-development my own personal self-development so you teach one you learn you learn yourself and then I met my partner who I'm with now and she was a big book reader you know she's just reading lots of different books and she gave me this book which I've got right here uh, which is called The Healing Voice 
Yeah, it's backwards. <laughs> I can say it's backwards here. It's called The Healing Voice. And this book set me off on the journey of, of voice outside of conventional, conventional voice work. And I was so engulfed by it. I read the book literally within, I think within a few hours. I was just, I just literally just soaked it all in. And I was like, I've got to go, I've got to have a session. I've got to have a session for myself. And so I ended up finding a practitioner in London, in Camden. Uh, Christine Usherwood was her name. And she, I think she picked up something from me where she said, look, if you're interested in this work, you know, we're doing a scholarship uh, for, for in Boston. But, you know, it's going to be quite soon and it's going to cost this. And, and as a musician, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. But how am I going to do this? How? How am I going to do this? And I ended up recognizing I just had a baby, I, you know, I, and it was like I knew I have to, I have to do this. It goes against everything, but I know that this is going to be fundamentally important for me. So I went out to Boston for a year, went back and forth, implementing the work on voice movement therapy work, which I was discovering, exploring. And once I finished, I realized that it came back to me being a musician because they, they had brought me in and they said, Randolph, look, you can see this work could be used with, could be used with children, could be used with um, people with disabilities, can be used on, on, um, on uh, a multitude of different ways, in a multitude of different ways. What do you think is, what do you think you're going to use this work for now first? And I said, Music. I could just feel that it's going to go straight into my music. And it did. It became something where I started to sing in phonetics. I started, I wrote an album with mixing sort of words, which are melodies, but as well, the whole thing was kind of in a world music kind of feeling. So this whole thing using the nuances of articulation or phonetics really became something which was a cathartic experience for me. But as well, it was something I could translate to other people. And because of that, I think I've almost had many facets as, a, as, an, artist, as an artist. I've had many sort of dimensions to what it is that I'm interested in. I am an artist, which means that I don't, I don't, um, I like to bring about the art, the feeling of artistry is, is a multifaceted experience. And people aren't necessarily always just looking for one thing. They want to. They want an ecosystem of how you move through the art form, the beauty, the transitions, the repetition, the creativity. They want. They want to. They want to experience that. And for me, it's an it's an expression that is true. And so, hence, moving now to the present day, it's it's that work me. Um, as I move more into performance art and move back into and more into composing, as well as um, actually wanting to share this work more directly, um, not necessarily just through the jobs which I've I've done, but actually directly again to people uh, as an embodied voice experience. Fantastic, 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and how rich and how wonderful that has been and how much you're sharing and giving and contributing through your music. And I do want to recommend that everyone listens to your amazing album. It's precious, isn't it? It's just beautiful. Precious. I listen to it a lot, actually, and it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful album. Um, and I also really thank you for sharing, you know, um, I think people will be able to relate to that moment where that first moment where you took that courage of stepping out on stage that um, mm. and and then also that process that uh, as you know well we have to go through of, of self-development of working through our insecurities of letting go of those in order to find what is our embodied voice what is and that is unique as you said to everyone and very multifaceted often um so if you were to share some of the I know you've experienced, you've described some of your breakthroughs, um, but also I'm sure you've seen other people as well having transformation through this work. And um, would you like to share some of those about your stories that you've seen? So um, I think one of the, the key moments where I recognised this work was having an, an influence, which was, and different, was because I was still, I was working predominantly with young, younger musicians who were, it's, it's such an interesting one because you are a musician in the same light as them, but you just have this bit more experience of living as a musician. So there was a, an artist who was, who had come over from, um, had come over from Greece and he come over specifically to sing in London and to to sing at this this college this this place and he was really struggling his voice was really struggling and deteriorating and he he couldn't work out why it was deteriorating in the way that it was he says every time I do scales it just feels like it's tight and it's just like but I've never I never had that before it never was like that and so I listened to his voice, now taken into terms of principles of voice movement therapy work, where it has a broader spectrum in terms of what you are actually looking at. Mm. And as well, what you are listening to is not judged by a style or genre. It's just based on empathy and listening to what the voice is doing mm. and trying to amplify more of more of the questioning of what that voice is doing to you. How does it feel? So we did a, we started to do some voice work and part of the voice work is that they understand their movements and their voice are interconnected. It's an embodied experience of connectivity and delivery. Yes. And he started to use his voice and I got him to amplify like a, there was a sort of, there was a sort of um, what we call pitch fluctuation in the voice. So it's not vibrato; it's a fluctuation that's happening in the voice. And now I'm sort of listening, and I can hear that the fluctuation is quite quick. And I said to him, "What well, just to listen to your voice? There's a fluctuation in your voice." And I say, "It's not vibra vibrato; it's a fluctuation." What is it? What is the fluctuation in your voice? And he started to tune into it, but through his voice. So he was toning on a note, but he can hear this fluctuation. 
And he burst out crying because he realised that the reason why his voice was deteriorating is because since he came over, he was unable to get a doctor's surgery. He was unable to get a bank to give him, you know, a, a, a place of reference so that he can get to a doctor's surgery. Sometimes we don't look at those simple parameters that are are in our society already that make it difficult for somebody to feel grounded, to feel need the met. And a lot of the time that's to do with our first need, which is food, shelter, security, you know, that that sort of feeling. And he says, that's what's on my mind all the time. I just can't, I just can't switch it off. It's just making me unnerved. I don't feel grounded. And this is not the dream. This is not what my dream was. So we started to work and I said to him, so now what I want you to do is we're going to use that fluctuation and we're going to make the fluctuation really big, like as fast as you can make it. And then we're going to make the fluctuation really slow. So slow. And I really want you to focus on that slow fluctuation. And then we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to go for no fluctuation at all. So you're really going to focus on a very robotic statement that's being made. And I said, which one makes you feel more grounded? And he said, the, the, the straight one. However, no, though it doesn't sound very nice to listen to, it's not beautiful. I said, it's not, we're not talking about beauty here. We're just talking about what the voice is doing and what the voice actually makes you feel. So he started to work with this. And then we started to, I started to get him to tone and use different shapes around this one, this one tone of straight no fluctuation in the voice and he's all of a sudden his body started to kind of convex and concave and he you could see that he's he started to sort of really gesture somebody who now had ground and we made repetition and we broke it and so that he he was going around the room and I got him to amplify his movements and I gave him a sort of spherical space but by the end of it his voice was pounding through the space. He was lifting the roof in terms of the, the sonics. The room was responding back to him. And he was, I would use the word, he was alive in terms of the richness again, in terms of how he, he remembers his voice sounding. And I said, I said to him afterwards, so how does this make you feel? He goes, oh, I feel so reconnected to the part of me that was missing, but allowed to go missing. And I said, all you've got to do is remember that the voice is as one, is your your expression in life, but two, it can get distorted. No differently to your vocabulary of, of, of work. It can be distorted through emotional and psychological things that we have in our, in our environment. And he... I said, all you have to remember is to keep that solidness in your voice as you address each situation. Because the moment you speak to people as well with more of that solidness is the moment you're going to find that 
people will respond in more of a solid vibration back to you as well. And after that, he was able to get his doctor's thing sorted. He was able to, to, to get bank sorted and he was able to sing. Um, and he went on to literally fly through that, that course. He went back, he went back to Greece and became a, a star in Greece um, with even more of a kind of like sense of groundedness from his international, um, his international journey that he had taken. So I really saw how invaluable this this work was in that moment for the young person. I've got many more just like just like that in different ways, where the voice holds holds many many different facets of who we are and what we're going through as a person, and at the same time, but it is this it still is the healing tool towards expanding that voice and everybody can expand upon their voice everybody should remember that whether you're 90 years old or six years you can always be more present in the world you can always be you can always have more breath in the world you can always bring more breath life into the world you can always you can always find more space to expand your heart's desire into the world you can all you can have more expansion of your guttural sense of being in this world, your monster sense of being in this world, where you can be the monster control it because you allow that voice to exist as well. You allow your expressions to exist. And so, yeah, I mean, that's one. <laughs> I'm sure there are many, many that's more. One. There's many, many more. Yeah. And that is just captivating. And what that illustrates so clearly is, as you say, that, the, the voice, and that's my, has always been my experience, that the voice is intimately related to every part of us. It's and Western traditional Western music is a very intellectual endeavor. It can be, and you know, some of us had that experience of it being just kind of this part of us, our head, rather than it actually being our study of voice being actually it's actually the whole of us. It's our body, right. it's our mind, it's our emotions, it's what's going on in our lives. And our voice is, is, is the vessel of our expression and it's the vessel of, and therefore we, it can therefore be both expressive of what's impacting us and also it can be the healer of what is impacting us if we choose that. So what you're, True. yeah. And it all has its place as well, Katie. Mm. This, is, this is what I love about it is, even with the work which I the work which I did gave me an, a, a broader perspective of not being the judge of one space in particular, but actually being the acceptor of all. Mm. I became the acceptor of all of those facets. I became the acceptor that everybody has a voice. I became the acceptor that sounds, voice and singing can be two different things in terms of people's minds. You know what I mean? It's just like everybody has a voice. But if I say to you, do you sing? Somebody's going, no, 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 I don't sing. It's like, do you have a voice? Yeah. So let's expand upon the singing, which is within your voice. <laughs> How your voice rises and falls is what sings from the heart, sings from the abyss, sings from the cultivation of, of your experiences. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's like there is so much, there's so much entwined within it. And I think with the right tool set, 
the right philosophy behind voice, people can people can experience greatness again. They can really feel the things which are what make us human beings, you know, the needs that make us who we are as human beings. Um, and we can move through those needs as well because they all seem to trickle into the other one. It's just like, you know, a, a, a home that is empty or a home that has belongingness, it's, they can be two different things. You can have a home which you never live in or you can have a home which has the most richest experiences of people's voices being heard and laughter and joy expression. And I definitely would go for the second one. And I definitely would try to make that home feel that any, any situation can, can personify in your imagination that feeling of, of security and of self-actualization and yeah it's very true it's very it's a very true thing we can we can experience absolutely and i love that that um how you describe the home and because my experience is, is that coming back to voice can be like coming home but often people have had experiences perhaps in their home that they grew up in, in or in their family home where they couldn't be heard or certain things weren't allowed to be heard or talked about and so therefore they are or or their voice might even have been told off or told to be quiet and so when we reclaim our voice from those kind of stories or those narratives or those traumas then then there is capacity, I believe, and I see it happening, as you say, from with people from very small people to right people in their 90s saying, wow, I've suddenly got this new lease of life, I've got confidence, uh, because they've come home. What I believe home is the mm-hmm. voice is, is inside of us. It's the only instrument inside of us, isn't it, inside of our bodies. So coming back to it is, is coming home. So I love that you, you shared that. That's a very powerful image and that we have a choice you know, we often think we don't. Like you say, yeah. many people will say, oh, no, I don't sing. I can't possibly. Um, but actually, we have a choice and we can choose to, to, as you say, just start recognizing actually my voice isn't just, it's melodic. It has contours. It has shapes. Uh, so in that process of homecoming, what would your, if, if someone's just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm on the, I'd like some of that for me or I'd like more of that for me, what would you say to someone who wants to come home a bit more, come home to their voice? What would your first steps be? My first steps would be habit. It's an interesting one for me because it's something which I'm exploring again, is to be and do anything in life. I think it's about creating, it's about identifying yourself with 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 what you want to become more of. And then on top of that, as a result of that, your identity moves towards that sense of this is what I am, you know? And so for anybody who, who's really, who's already curious about singing, the, the one thing that sort of practically would, would be my, my starting point is just to sing. And to just go through that process of just allowing yourself to sing, allowing yourself to 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 what's the word? It's like to muse through the beauty of just hearing that voice, not where that voice should be, not who who is a better, what's a better voice, or what's a worse voice. 
or whether I can sing in tune or not, but just to muse around that beautifulness which we have been given, which is the ability to use our voice. And I would allow that to then be the way that you start to identify more with what you possibly would like to see happen more, which is that you become more of a singer or more of a person who uses their voice or a vocalist. You know, vocalist doesn't necessarily mean to me necessarily singing. It's somebody who, who uses their voice. So I became a vocalist as a result of very small things that I did a lot just started to do them and I, I I I almost have to go back to that principle of just every day showing up to the thing that I actually really just enjoy doing and that is singing or in the case of composing music you know it's it's just it's a very transferable transferable skill because that one percent of what you may do in maybe two minutes kind of just going or oh, 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 oh. is literally about you is about you turning up and being witnessed again in in all of that that grace and that beauty to experience it for what it is because it's always with you. Yeah, it's always, always with you. So that would be my tip is really, it's just do it simply as much as you can with as much empathy and acceptance and joy. And it will give back to you the empathy and the joy and the experience of just you being able to identify that I am somebody who, who uses my voice. I'm somebody who enjoys singing because I've, I've been doing it. I've just been doing it over time and I, I really enjoy it. I think people tend to, people tend to have more of a problem when they, when they know that there's something that they really love doing but they don't do it because they've set they a line interference in between what they love and the outputs of that love that they have. Yeah. It's just an interference. And that has a multitude of different things that it's very difficult sometimes to be able to navigate through, but you can, as a choice, take away the in interference, make it as small as possible. So you're not feeling like, Oh, I'm going to have to do this for two hours a day and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not that it's actually just showing up, just show up to it and, it will show up for you. Amazing. That is really, really amazing. And I love that. That's a very powerful way to describe um, some of the barriers because we can have many internal, perceived internal and external barriers and things perhaps we're carrying about our voice, isn't it? But making that choice, as you and I love that you call it interference because it is really like getting a crackly radio signal, isn't it? It's it is. just like... Um, and and that can really show up in our 
expression and and also in as you say sort of procrastinating or not not all these other behaviors that can go on when we're trying to actually you think why am I not doing this thing that I really love but uh, <laughs> I'm not showing up because I've got all there's all this baggage that I'm sort of holding about it um and do you have any tips for people, you know, making that choice to let go of that? Are there any um, extra tips you have for that process, particularly because that is where people get stuck is in that place of all the interference. Is there more you can say about what helps people to make an empowered choice in those places where it may feel it's very real? The barriers feel very real. Yeah, the bar- so I think it still comes down to to what I said previously, which is barriers can can seem big unless you break break it down it's manageable for where you are you know so for me i could say to you how i look at barriers now is i dance with them i don't see them as barriers i see it as i see it as a and now it's a dance because only through light do I know that there's shadow. So when the shadows, it's, oh, oh, there's shadow, must be because of the light, you know? Or I can just be in one of them. I can just be in the shadow and, you know, just forget that actually, no, if there's a shadow, there is the light. There is a light. So you just got to look around. There's a light. The light is the aspiration to do it. The shadow is something that gives you the aspiration to do it. It's like, do I want to be in the shadow? Not necessarily, even though it's got it serves its purpose. It has a purpose to serve, which is to get me, get me to go towards the light because I love the warmth. I love the warmth of this. So I think it's I'm a big imagination person in that respect as well. I, I look at I look at obstacles in a way that are tangible to life. So you know, we talk about having the elephant in the room type thing of a situation, which is like, well. Do you want to try and eat the whole elephant in one? Or you just you just take a little bit of it each time, yeah. you know? So in the mental process of it, I always, and this is probably what I what I would say for anybody, is we are we're people who move and we're people who are driven by activity as well, you know, and and, and when we're static, it kind of feeds into the processes of static thought process as well so if you were a dancer listening to this who's interested in using their voice or people who generally who use their voice don't are, are pretty happy to use their movements a little bit as well i would the first thing i would say i would start to activate it by instantly recognizing okay if i've got this if i've got this interference it must mean I'm a, I must be thinking about something that I want to do. Mm. Yeah. So it's like friction. It's like an aeroplane cannot get up in the air unless you have an opposite force. Mm. So it's got to be a good thing. You need that opposite force to know that you have, you are going to literally sell up to that next point. And it might be a bit like this at first, mm. but then you plateau into a place where you kind of, you can see how important that that wind is towards actually being able to glide because it reminds you of where you are. It reminds you of what you're doing and you can actually sort of fly like a bird. So for me, movement is a very, very tangible thing to do. 
and using your voice with that is a tangible thing to do. Using your imagination as well is a very tangible thing that you can do to create the picture. Um, sometimes I used to create the picture of, you know, when I was very, very feeling like I wasn't there. I wasn't really there in terms of, ah, oh, I really want to be performing. It's just like, but the whole aspect of not performing is making me feel horrible. Mm. As opposed to going, well, Randolph, you can always, you are performing now. So why not perform now? Just perform now. So I started to use my imagination and I started to perform. And before I realized it, I completely forgot that I had an issue with that performance being somewhere else as opposed to to perform is to perform. You just have to do it. You just do a little bit of it. And that's where you lean more towards being the performer supposed to be not you lean more towards the the overcoming the obstacle when you decide to just take a pick out out of the I'm gonna go towards where I want to go than not going towards it so I would always say do something mm-hmm. don't do nothing yeah. but do something do a small thing each time that's right. And sometimes just saying, as you say, sometimes it's just too much to say it's going to, right, I mean, to two hours or a whole day of singing. No, you don't too need much. that. It's too much. You could just say five minutes and just put a time yeah. for five minutes. And uh, or I'm just going to sing while I do the washing up or I'm just going to, you know, totally. I'm just going to put the radio on while I'm in the shower and sing along to that. That can be, you know, these just daily things, can't it, that you yeah. build singing in and it becomes part of your daily existence. And uh and definitely, as you say, movement being so important. As soon as we move, things change, don't they? So it can be just going for a walk. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge deal, but just moving when we feel stuck just starts everything literally moving again, doesn't it? So that's yeah. just incredible. You can, pin, you can pin singing onto everything that you want to. You can pin singing onto paying your bills and knowing that actually because I've been able to pay my bills, I want to sing a song of just joy. You can... You can s- find a song that you really always love singing that there's always a song in our hearts that we really love singing that's what that would be another decision that I would make is when you feel caught up go back to that song that you just love singing you know always go back to something that the the place of least resistance the place that because that's the moment that you will always find that it will it will work out all the rest of the the disputes that you might be having in yourself Go to the place where you just feel, I feel good here. I feel so at ease with this song. And the song maybe that you was learning or the, song, the, the, um, the situation that you had, it sometimes just absolutely unravels and becomes really, really easy for you again. So I really love that, is to have the, is to have the, the mental process of a long enough period of kind of feeling what do I want to feel more of? And once you've got that, then to try to just keep that there as long as possible, which is I want to feel freedom and I want to feel ease. So if you can feel the freedom, what freedom and ease actually feels like for a long enough period of time, it's enough to make a difference. The thing with singing is if you go to a song that you just love singing, it has freedom and ease and connectivity instantly in it. And so 
the beautifulness of that then means that you're, you're dealing with the problem or interference instantly and you're wiping it out because you've gone, you've allowed yourself to go somewhere where you know it will, it will, it will raise you. It will raise you up and, and take you to another place. Yeah. It's sort of like setting yourself up to win, isn't it, really? To say, got yeah, to. yeah, yeah, you've got to set yourself up to win. And what I also loved that you said about dancing with the obstacles, like, uh, which I really loved that. And I feel my own experiences is that when we embrace, when we embrace what we perceive to be the barrier, the obstacle, the difficult thing, it has some grace inside it, it has some wisdom, it has something to teach us, you Always. know. And there's always something inside it. So it might be just, okay, I'm going to sing my fear. I'm going to sing my anger. I'm going to sing my resistance. <laughs> or I'm just going to make a sound that sounds like that. Maybe I'm so frustrated, I'm just going to, I don't know, go rah or something. But then at least I have started the journey of vocalizing, which will then... And I've acknowledged, I've acknowledged, I haven't tried to pretend it's not there. I've acknowledged, I've given it voice and already it starts, starts moving and I'm sounding all of a sudden. So this is, this is great. There's a, there's an expression from Paul Newham, who was, uh, uh, who basically was the inspiration for the book and the, the, the practice of um, therapeutic voice work. And it was the thing that made it for me, actually, in terms of my own understanding, and it sort of unravels it. He says, I'm quoting, before there were words, there were feelings. And I love just that simplicity of it, which was like, we came into this world with feelings. As a child, you hear a child that comes into this world and you can hear the feelings before they can ever design and sculpt the articulation of word form to describe what they are feeling. That comes secondary. But the feeling is always there. It's just we learn to wipe out our ability just to express it as it is. But then when we start to look at situations that take place across the world that make us humanly connected it's when we see people expressing raw, true feelings, whether it's whether it's um, the civil war, the civil um, the civil um, rights, whether it's the recent Black Lives Matters, whether it's to do with protests against and for COVID, whether it's to do with um, you know, young people speaking about, you know, um, climate change, whether it's to do with uh, the congregation that's really feeling lifted by the grace of the universe, whether it's to do with the Muslim, the Muslim community and their connection to pilgrimages to Mecca. Hmm. There is always an expression that is true about where these, where we are as human beings and what make us human beings. And then to the finer details of laughter, crying, joy, curiosity, um, togetherness, boisterousness, the, the, the angers, the hemped up anger that is, it needs to be expressed. I think 
I think we underestimate sometimes what we really want to look for in our look for in life as well. I think sometimes as human beings we we forget that actually when you hear somebody expressing a particular expression, it's sometimes it does evoke you to kind of go, oh my gosh, like I haven't heard that expression and it makes me feel it makes me feel a certain way. It's like when somebody's passionate about something. You it's a passion is a vibration that you feel that comes from their voice and it's emanated through their physicality as well. And it can raise people to a point where they really do feel that they can do things that actually it's okay for me to be this way. We have mental health issues where people are not given the opportunity to just feel that they can say that I've got a problem, mm-hmm. that I need help. You know how powerful that word is, that mm. it's underused to the point that people make different decisions because they just can't say it, feel that actually they can get the help. So we are, we are in a, one, we are in a time of, of a great need for, for, to bring people back from this separation anxiety or separation issues that I think we have. And so, so I think that the whole work of, you know, healing the voice has become even more of a, um, an imperative journey and uh, a, a mission to be able to hear people's voices, to be able to give people the chance just to say how they feel. Absolutely. Wow, that's highly, highly inspirational. And I absolutely resonate with everything you've just said there and the importance of this work of releasing and liberating our voices, whether it is just saying, actually, I need some help uh, or those much bigger issues that you've also touched on, you know, whether it's really trying to crusade for a much better world for all of us through our voices. This is the voice at every level, isn't it, of our society? Yeah. And it impacts at every level of society. And I know you've been part of many projects as well that are uh, pushing or exploring how we um, how we do come across, how we do, at the moment, as you say, build back connection after separation and also some of the divisions that are already built into our social structures how we overcome those and the capacity of voice to to do that is phenomenal isn't it and I know that's something that you're you're working with and passionate about I am I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm passionate about it from the point the standpoint of actually just being an artist so I'm not talking about me being a politician or a, or going into it, but it's about being really, really having the authority in your in your space and knowing what that authority can give to other people. And I don't say authority in terms of actually, you know, um, you know, I'm talking about knowing yourself enough that that this is this is the truth to me. And this is something which is part of a bigger picture about my world and the world which I love. And so I know if I don't do the revolution in myself, the human revolution in myself, Mm. I can't 
sometimes inspire the people in front of me to know that it's okay for them to be able to do that as well. Absolutely. Because I do believe, you know, as, as, a, as a performer, that audiences are looking not always for what is obvious. They're looking for the thing that they didn't recognize that they needed. They're looking, and that's in the expression of the artist. And the artist has always been at the center of expression, expressing what the community is feeling. Whether when we had the Berlin Wall, for example, the amount of artists that went to the Berlin Wall to express their dis, distaste of human separation, mm. it was littered across the walls constantly being expressed people coming from everywhere to express how they really felt in the form in the way that they knew best and music has always moved forward and performances have always moved forward when people have have decided that i'm going to say it as it is i'm going to say it as i feel it the nina simone said it as they felt it when he was you know when he really truly really recognized look i've got more to say here than just the motown message it's not about just that my brother is in the vietnam war that touches me mm. that's not where i want to go and so i want to say what's going on what's going on you know it's like only that galvanizing of truth sometimes has to struggle against it to be able to express it truthfully. But we don't know, we don't know the impact of, of actually what that truth then does for many, many other people. And that's, that's what I feel strongly about because it's something which I, I struggle with in my own sort of artistry. It's not something which is just a kind of natural thing, which I, I constantly bolster through, you know, at the moment it's, it's about, it's about knowing my shadow, it's about knowing what would take me forward, and it's knowing how I can express my truth in the most, in the most honest and connective way that I know my life is about, you know? And, yeah, the work, the work is there to be done. And the, the way I see it is, um, what's the quote that I heard? It's like, you know, you know, pain is a temporary experience, but greatness is forever. So we might have these moments of painfulness, but the greatness of, of moving things beyond that, that, that painful moment is what has been expressed in society from people who have lost their loved ones. And they've been able to come back and go and just show people a way of humility to just unravel humilities it's like yes there is something bigger which we which connects us and you need people you need people to be able to express that absolutely absolutely and that's where our vocal expression actually someone came to mind um it's pastor lorraine jones who lost her son to knife crime here in brixton and she then has transformed that experience into his legacy, building a, a big boxing gym, which was his dream, and building that in Brixton for young people. And she now speaks. She has found her voice, literally. She just goes and speaks everywhere about... And that's just one example of someone who has taken 
an extraordinary pain that some of some people would just not know how to come back to. And she could have had many choices, but yeah. she's chosen to do this with with her incredible pain of losing her son. That's what she's done. She's changing the world. She's out there changing young people's lives and helping them make most importantly, helping them make changes for them. And, yeah. and being a vessel of voice for and speaking. Mm. And, and there are so many, many other examples of people who are doing that, take this incredible pain and make it into something that is then great, as you say, inspires, inspires greatness in themselves and in others. And mm. that's possible for all of us. We can do that with our pains when we dance with them. As you said, we can. That becomes possible. Wow. And I loved also what you said about the audience always looking for something they don't know. And I, I would always say that your performances have always surprised me and have been so incredibly innovative in the way that they speak to me and inspire me and surprise me. And your vocal dexterity uh, is, is serving. Uh, it serves that profound moments of recognition and and yeah, sometimes challenge and adventure and play, all of those things can be part of our vocal experience. Um, mm. And I, I, I could talk to you forever, but I know we, we've nearly come up to our time. But <laughs> is there somewhere, talking of audience, is there somewhere people can come and find you or things that you have in the pipeline that you're working on that you want mm. to share about? So um, this, this conversation that we've been having is something which I, I want to share directly with people again in terms of uh, workshops on what I'm calling embodied voice, the embodied voice workshop. And I've been uh, piloting it with uh, dancers at this present moment because dancers actually need it. Uh, they, they need it a lot, as I've recognised from actually working with them, that this head part of actually sculpting and shaping has become something which they want to do so that's one thing that's that's going to be coming up in the future um i am looking i'm going to be collaborating with the wonderful person that's on this this podcast uh with uh beautiful katie rose and we will be doing something in the summer and there, it's going to be a fantastic workshop uh, on the embodied voice, as well as a performance. And so there'll be more details on this um, from Katie herself uh, she, and the vocal revolution. And I am putting together um, some performances for the foreseeable year, which are in plans at this present moment with myself and my team. Um, because uh, COVID is, yeah, it's kind of, the, the, you know, the, the lockdown has kind of stopped me uh, having the opportunities, but I'm, I'm kind of rearing to go again. I'm rearing to, to be in, these, in the public space and to eventually as well get into international space again through projects which I'm doing. So in some respects, the solo, the Randolph Matthews experience is what I'm looking to uh, put back together and um, amalgamating voice and beautiful songs and and stories I'm, I, I love I love stories they seem to come up a lot in my performances and so that's going to be in I would say in the next next couple of months but if you want to find out more uh, my website www.randolphmatthews.co.uk uh, I'll be updating it in the in the near future and uh, just just keep updated yeah 
Fantastic. And I know you're also on the socials, aren't you? You're on Instagram. On Instagram. Yes. Instagram, Facebook. Um, and yes, I might even be going on to Twitter a little bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's very inspiring to, to see everything that Randolph's doing. It's great to follow and be part of the adventure and have the Randolph Matthews experience. As, as you say, it's just, uh, yeah, for me, it had, it was extremely uh, life changing, definitely to and to encounter and also to find that there is this. For me, it's so precious when I find people that share this understanding or uh, a voice and and its capacity to change the world. So thank you for coming and being part of the vocal revolution today, uh, Randolph. It's just been it's amazing. It's been a pleasure, an really. absolute pleasure, and and you know I'm so. I'm so fond of you as a person, Katie, that, you know, we've known each other for many years. And, um, you know, I'm just so glad to see you powering forward with the beauty and the love that you've always expressed for voice and as well for community and for the revolution that can cam- come as a result of using our voices and, and, and being at one. So I commend you 100% for who you are. And um, I just thank you. And I'm, you know, I just want to continue to support you with this, this wonderful message as well. Thank you so much. I'm really, really moved to receive that. Thank you. And thank you. I'm very excited about our joint project in the summer. So please watch out for that. And I will be sending out more information about it. Please come and be really excited with us about the power of voice and what it can do for you if you've been tuning in. Uh, Randolph, thank you for what you're doing in the world, how you're helping people liberate their voices in extraordinary ways and come into that embodiment and that joy that can be full expression and whatever that means for each person. And Thank you very much for everyone who's listened today and been part and is part of the adventure. Your your uh, your voice is precious. It's important. So and we've seen today, we've talked today, and we talk every time about just how powerful and amazing it is. So this is just another layer of I hope what is an encouraging, affirming message to you to say you know go out and celebrate your voice, uh, even if it's just at home for five minutes in the washing up or <laughs> however it occurs to you in this moment. Just really go for it. Really love your voice and love the adventure of finding it and exploring it. So Randolph, thank you for in inspiring us uh, so Pleasure. much today it's been so Pleasure. exciting really great to be here thank you thank you and thank you everyone for tuning in thank you and goodbye